that uh, when you're using Google Ads, if you're using, if you uh, enroll in attribution and if you enroll in the brand referral program, Amazon is going to give you an average of a 10% credit back against your account if you're driving any external traffic over to your Amazon listing. Hey everyone, this is Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing Google Ads for e-commerce. We're going to touch on how Google Ads can be used to drive DTC results, what, kind, what can brands do to ensure Google Ads have great results, and what are some common mistakes. So welcome to another Lunch with Norm the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Okay, like I said, today it's all about Google Ads and Google Ads for e-commerce. Our guest is the founder and chief strategist for PPC Pitbulls. I was just on his podcast yesterday, uh, so tune into that one. He focuses on demystifying e-commerce marketing and driving measurable results through Google Ads, in-depth e-com data analysis, and custom and custom and business specific digital e, uh, marketing strategies, and we're gonna welcome Andy Janaitis. Like usual, I probably said it wrong. <laughs> All right, and I can't wait to get to Andy. Like I said, I was on his podcast yesterday, and he's a first time guest here. All right, let's hear a word from our sponsor. We'll come right back. Facing cash flow challenges with your e-commerce business. Discover Viably, your ultimate financial ally. From real-time sales data integrations to immediate funding access, Viably is here to support you. Plan your growth with their free tool for online sellers and engage with specialists whenever you need. Extend your cash flow with Viably. Sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, just a sec, gotta grab mine and enjoy this episode. And welcome, Andy. Hello, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Norm. Um, did you hear what I was saying? I'll, I'll admit I missed about half of that. Of course, my uh, my internet cut out right as uh, we joined the the backstage area here. So uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again. But uh, you'll have to to bring me back up to speed. Oh, Kelsey had launched a newsletter uh, for uh, LWN deals. It's an Amazon. Uh, it's e-commerce deals that he finds. And so he just launched a newsletter. I had no idea that he had done that last night and he already got a few subscribers. And I was just saying that, uh, oh, maybe Andy can help. Maybe he has a few people you could uh, send the email out to about the newsletter. But I'm just uh, joking. But if you can help, that would be kind of cool too. Oh, Andy's internet is frozen again. Okay, Kels, you can pretend to be Andy answering my questions while we wait. Yeah, so we'll be back in just a few seconds uh, with Andy. Um, hopefully the internet. Do you have any questions about anything? So I see that, you know, Drip's here, Steve's here. I think we're back. Oh, uh, sorry, Andy, you just hung for a little. I'm back. Apologies for that. It uh, seems to be uh, kind of cutting, cutting in and out here and there, but hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get a, a little more consistency. Okay, so why don't we do this? Just in case you do uh, hang, uh, we got Steve, we got Cool Hand, Luke, uh, we got Drip, uh, and we've got a bunch of other people listening. If you do have any questions uh, uh, about Amazon, about anything, just throw them in there. We'll 
put them to the side. If we get through this, no problems, then we'll we'll answer them at another time. So let's why don't we start off with just talking about Google Ads? We haven't spent a lot of time talking about Google Ads on the podcast. So this is going to be a great topic. But um, how can Google Ads uh, be used to drive more D2C traffic and get results, by the way? Yeah, exactly. That's the, the big thing. So the beauty of Google Ads is typically we're working off of a search. So you already know somebody's looking for the product that they're you know, hopefully coming to, to you know, find your specific product. So we use a ton of Google Shopping um, now that's kind of rolled into Google, what they call Performance Max product. Um, but this is when somebody's searching for a product, you know, probably a product your your product category, um, and you see those those search listings, uh, those those shopping listings with the product image and the title right under there. Um, and yeah, again, that's that's great because you already know that this person wants what you have to sell them. So as opposed to like a Facebook where it's a little bit more interruption mar based marketing where you're kind of showing up. Um, you know, they're scrolling through their feed, just kind of looking at friends posts and things, and then all of a sudden you know, hey, here's an ad for a product that maybe I didn't know I needed. Um, so what's nice is once you have that intent, typically we get a, a much higher conversion rate um, once people come over knowing that, you know, they're already looking for a product like yours. Um, the downside of that, of course, is you're showing up primarily to people who are already searching for your product. So if you have the type of product that is, you know, uh, a fun thing or an impulse purchase that maybe people didn't know they needed, that's where social marketing might come in and be a little bit stronger where you're kind of, you know, educating about the, the use case before you get started. Um, and similarly, we find that for different brands, it's always different, but Google ads scale to a point. Typically, you know, a, a meta is going to scale a little bit further than a Google ads, just because you can only scale as far as, you know, people who have some intent and are already searching for your product. So I always kind of tell people, especially for startup brands and, and smaller brands, um, it's a great place to get oftentimes more profitable leads and more profitable sales than on like a meta ads, but typically it's not going to scale quite as far. Um, so that's kind of how I, I think of that. Is that what you specialize in? Yeah, primarily we, we do paid ads of all type, but Google ads is really our, our bread and butter. Um, we touch a little bit of email marketing as well. Really, they all kind of work together to, to create a good result. Can we talk about expectations uh, when a brand puts out an ad and I know, you know, it's like saying how long is a piece of string, but when a, a brand puts out a Google ad, what kind of expectations can they uh, expect? Yeah. I love that, that analogy. How long is a piece of string? Cause it's <laughs> it, ultimately the, the, I do have a, a number that I always throw out to, to new clients. I always kind of say, let's look at like a three X row as um, so typically that'll be, you know, even a two X row ads is even better if you can can make that profitable. But that's going to be, you know, your revenue that you're bringing in divided by the ad dollars you spend or return on ad spend. Um, so basically, you know, if you're putting up a dollar in ad spend or a hundred dollars in ad spend, and you get back two hundred dollars in revenue, that's going to be a two X row as. If you're putting up a hundred dollars in ad spend, get back three X or three hundred dollars, that's going to be a three X row as. I typically tell people to kind of set your mind or set your expectations around about a two to three X ROAS. Um, and obviously that's really dependent on your margins, right? So for some businesses, they're going to say to me, oh, I absolutely can't do that. That's, you know, I'll be losing money on every purchase I get because I don't have, you know, in the case of a three X ROAS, you kind of need a, you know, at least a 33% margin there. 
or a 2X ROAS, you would need at least 100% margin. That's taking out all the other costs of your business, obviously. So um, that's kind of where I, I tell people to think about, like, do you really want to be sustainable in this channel and really scale and really, you know, kind of push it as far as it can go? That's about where we're seeing the best results. Now, obviously, that's highly industry dependent, highly business dependent. You know, we have some clients that return a 6X ROAS. It doesn't always scale as far as some other clients do. You know, they're they're maybe only able to put in 5,000 a month in ad spend or 10,000 a month in ad spend, whereas another client maybe could do, you know, 20,000 or 30,000 or more. Um, but they are returning and they need to because they have a little bit lower margin product. They're returning, you know, a 6X return on their money, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so it really just gets down to like, what margin can you, you know, can you stomach and how far can you push it? And the other big thing, you know, if you have some of these other channels going, if you already have a following on a meta or, you know, Instagram or Amazon, if you are, people already kind of know about your product, you're typically going to do a lot better. Um, so that's going to help kind of speed up and get going a little bit faster. Um, in terms of kind of how long from the first ad launch, typically I'll tell people expect about a month to two months. Um, Google ads is a lot more kind of get in with an evergreen ad strategy and let it slowly improve as opposed to Facebook where it's a lot of times, hey, let's launch an ad. And if it's not performing after a week, we're going to turn it off. Google, a lot of times you got to give it some time to get the data back into the model and kind of see how things are going. Um, so expect that, you know, you may not be profitable for that first month or two, um, though you should always see the results improving. We get a lot of kind of, um, you know, kind of horror stories from other agencies where people will say, oh, you know, I spent 10,000 a month for six months and never saw any results. It's like, well, after month three, why were you still putting money into this thing? So, <laughs> you know, you got to at least even if you're not profitable after month one or two, you should see some of the the earlier metrics starting to starting to tick up for you. One of the things I can say about this too is, uh, and this comes down to anything with recurring revenue. So if if you have for for instance for ex, uh, for example, uh, I have a soap brand. I know when once people try my soap that they're going to buy it again. So I always take this up to a break even point. So if if I can just basically just give away a bar of soap and that's my cost, then I'm good. Uh, other people, if it's a one-time purchase, can't do that. So they are really looking for that return on investment. My return on investment is that somebody's going to come back and they're going to probably buy my soap uh, over a year and a half, two year period. Yeah. So, and that's, the, that's really where, when I say that all the channels kind of work together, mm -hmm. that's where, you know, sometimes we'll have a client that say, Hey, you know, this isn't going fast enough for me. I'm not, you know, I'd love to see a higher return on ad spend or I'd love to see the scale further. And that's where you start to say, well, well, like you're not super profitable on the first purchase or you're, or you're, you need to be profitable on the first purchase because you're not getting those repeat sales. So maybe putting a little bit more investment into your retention marketing or your email plan, that's going to help give you a little bit more customer lifecycle value, which is going to allow you to accept a lower return on the front end of your Google ad spend, which, you know, to your point, you can you know, target more like a break even, which is going to make you much more competitive and much more scalable in the Google ads ecosystem. Um, so it really, you know, it, it depends on where the business is, the goals of the business and kind of looking at some of those trade-offs of, of where you put your investment. What can brands do? They're interested in Google. They may never have experienced it before. 
but what can brands do to prep, to prepare for, for going on to Google to get the best results? Yeah, I always kind of think, and, and we'll have some clients come and say, hey, I'm just launching this brand new fresh brand. You know, really Google's going to be the first channel I attack. And it's a little bit harder of a road going down that route. So, you know, the, the overarching advice I would have is you're going to be more successful the more maturity you have across a number of different channels, both marketing channels, but also from a branding perspective and, you know, understanding what your product is, what your value proposition is. Um, so all of the kind of, you know, things before you start kind of fall into those lines. You know, I always tell people, don't come to Google for the first purchase that comes to your website. Like, by all means, please get your website up and running. Make sure that you have some purchases coming through. Make sure that, you know, if you don't have any traffic coming in, so people say, oh, well, if I don't have any traffic, how do you want me to get my first purchase? And it's go to a farmer's market or something, like start handing out, you know, business cards with your with your URL on it type thing. Those types of, of you know, guerrilla marketing tactics are going to help drive those first purchases more profitably than, you know, just spraying a bunch of money through Google ads. Um, and what that does for you is now you've got data coming in. So, you know, what types of customers are most likely to purchase. You've got some information on the audiences that, that typically are going to purchase or the you know, demographics and all that data feeds right back into Google and it's going to help you be more successful when you do start up those Google ads. So I always kind of tell people, you know, first and foremost, obviously, if the website's not set up well, isn't going to convert, you're not going to be very successful. So get your website set up, make sure that it kind of follows best practices, standard CRO, you know, strategies. Um, and then from there, make sure you get some purchases, even if it's friend and friends and family, even if it's, you know, person to person, you know, handshake kind of kind of getting people to the website. Those are the tactics that you need to use first. Um, and then, you know, once you have that or you have a strong social following or, you know, from whatever other other point of view, you know, if you have an Instagram or a, a Amazon store and you're putting cards in each box that you ship out, directing people to the URL, those types of tactics will really, really help you. Um, you know, to kind of get a good baseline that Google can then build off of. It's uh, funny. Now, this is a different rabbit hole, but kind of staying on track. Uh, I know I went to a, a, a trade show or a, a conference with my partner on the uh, sourcing side. His name's Afalabi Orokan. And so I meet him at the entrance and he's wearing a t-shirt says honu and i thought oh, okay you know that's a nice looking shirt why didn't you get me one but uh he didn't uh, <laughs> we walk in i don't know i somehow fell behind and he's walking ahead and he's got this great big qr code on the back with scan me and we actually got sales from him walking around so it, it was it was fantastic we we have a product called tariff terminator and People scanned his T-shirt. It was that's awesome. I thought that was great. <laughs> and that's when you talk to the most successful brands. I feel like every brand has that piece of their story of like, hey, as I was starting out, I, you know, we we just got um, a few weeks ago. We have our, our own podcast, and we interviewed um, uh, Fat Boy Surf Club um, Ryan Rock. And, and his story was, you know, hey, it was during the pandemic. We started making these shirts because it was a group of guys who liked to go out to the bars together. And it was just like their fun clothing that they would wear. So they all kind of, you know, matched and go to go out together. Um, and then it kind of caught on and people say, oh, you know, can I buy that shirt or can I do this? So like that type of marketing that they started building their community literally just by 
getting a big group of friends wearing this really cool logo, comfortable clothing, and then kind of building it hand to hand, you know, that way. And I, I think there's, I, I really do think it's just about everybody you talk to has some aspect like that, that you would never think like, oh, that's a legitimate marketing strategy to get started. But somehow it works. And it's always something that's just a little bit different. And, and you go from it. Right. And now, uh, like, like going from, you know, two thumbs up, you know, this is a different marketing strategy to mistakes. So there's probably, I, I'm guessing you could probably tell us three or four different mistakes that smaller, medium sized brands make when they're entering into the Google ads marketplace. Definitely. And these are oftentimes, you know, I, I, I sometimes we, you know, kind of jokingly say like, we love to see some of these things, right? Because it, it'll be, you know, we're taking on a new client and you go in, you say, Hey, let me check out your ads account for the first time. And there's some basic things like kind of low hanging fruit that people will either on their own set something up and they read something incorrect and, and kind of, you know, get, get started off the wrong foot or, you know, coming from another agency. We see some of these things all the time. And, and some of the biggest things, I, first and foremost, you got to be measuring what's happening on your website. Um, so you'd be surprised how many times people will say, Hey, you know, I've run Google ads for six months, spent X amount of money. Not really sure if it's working or not. It's like, well, are, are you tracking your conversions? I mean, like, do you know what you have analytics running on your website to know where the traffic is coming in from? There's a lot of caveats to that attribution is imperfect and, you know, different things. But if you don't have a basic idea of whether or not your ads are yielding purchases, you're never going to be successful because you one don't have the right you know data in front of you to make decisions on when to make changes, when to pivot, and also too right now everything is automated on the Google side. So if you're not feeding that conversion data back into Google, your models aren't going to optimize, and you're you're never going to be competitive in the space. So number one is make sure that you are actually tracking conversions and feeding that data back into Google Ads. Um, and I think number two really is just simplify. A lot of times. This comes from the olden days of Google Ads, where people would come up with a million long tail key- keywords and you know running 25 different ads, each running at a very specific audience and a very specific keyword. Nowadays, it's it's different. It's really, you know, and Facebook in a lot of ways has gone more recently has gone the same direction, but it's all automated bidding, and you're going to provide assets, headlines, descriptions, images, videos your uh, product data that's pulled directly from your website and then let Google figure out you know who it's going to serve to which headlines to mix and match together exactly which keywords to show up on so it's always a red flag for me if I go in and I see 25 campaigns for a thousand dollar ad spend or for a ten thousand dollar ad spend even typically you know until you get much beyond you know say a twenty thirty thousand dollar ad spend you really only need maybe three four campaigns because you're looking for something that's pretty basic, pretty evergreen, and lumps all that that data together, essentially. So the, the if you're thinking how many purchases you're going to get, every purchase you get is a bit of data feeding back into Google's model. So if you split that over 25 campaigns, whatever that number of purchases is, you just divided it by 25. So that's that much less data that each individual campaign got. So we always think the more you can consolidate, you know, put keywords together, put um, ad groups together, there is some good reasons to split some of those things up, but unless you have a really good reason, the more you can consolidate, typically you're going to be feeding the data back in and, and you're going to uh, do a little bit better in that way. I want to talk about the worst horror story 
and the best home run you've ever seen uh, coming out of Google ads. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I think, you know, to the point of what I just said, some of those mistakes, I think those are, you know, typically the worst horror stories, I would say. <laughs> well, I, I put it into two categories. So the one, you know, worst horror story is some of those will, we'll, you know, bring in an account. And I've literally seen accounts that'll have, you know, say 25 campaigns. And then you start digging into each campaign and each campaign will have a thousand keywords. And nowadays everything is broad match or phrase match. So like, if I tell you, you know, shopping for, uh, you know, for instance, handbags, I just have to say, you know, handbag, and that's going to match for purse or, you know, nice looking handbag or brand new handbag, something like that. You don't need to put in each individual long tail keyword or like every individual way somebody could search for that. And we do see that a lot. Sometimes, you know, you'll get into an account and it'll have, you know, literally thousands of keywords that maybe have like three impressions each. And it's like, well, how is Google ever going to optimize and like in an automated fashion, figure out which keywords are performing better when it's literally shown to three people over the history of time. Like there's, there's no data to be had there. It's, you know, maybe bad luck that they didn't get clicked on those three times. Um, so I'd say that's like the, the, you know, worst horror story. And honestly, we see that more often than you would, than you would think that, that just like these massive accounts with just massive amount of, Keywords, especially, is really kind of the, the main offender. Um, I think the other type of like horror story, but if, if you're doing it right, you should be pr protecting yourself, is not every brand is going to succeed off of Google Ads right away, right? So sometimes people will come to us and say, hey, I started working with this agency. I'm a small brand. I was just getting started up. And they told me that I can't be successful on Google Ads if I'm not spending $10,000 or more. And then all of a sudden, three months go by, and now you're out $30,000, and you didn't get any results. So we're always kind of big on, like, whatever budget you tell me, as long as it's enough to get some reasonable data back into the model, we're probably going to cut that down a little bit and try to grow into the budget you told us. Because the point is, like, when you're getting started, I just told you a while ago that, hey, it's going to take a little while to get to profitability. Don't go out there and spend when you're not profitable and the models haven't learned and you're not sure what's going to work or not work. Don't go out there and just spend $10,000 right off the bat with maybe no no results at all. Um, so I, I think that's the the you know other big horror stories. People coming in and all of a sudden they've just got this massive dollar value that they've they've lost with zero results. And the question is always like, well, how did you let it get to that point? Like you you gotta after the first fifteen thousand, how did you not ask any questions that like you know this isn't working? Come on now, we got to do something different. So as long as you're protecting yourself, starting at a level that you're you know, is a reasonable enough level to start at for your budget and for where your business is. Um, and then making decisions and kind of scaling up from there, as opposed to you know, just diving in because somebody told you to throw a ton of money at it. Um, so yeah, I would say those are kind of the the bad side or the, or the, the horror story side. Uh, on the good side, I mean, it, it's really just certain brands. It's really the brands that have a strong community around them and brands mm -hmm. that already are doing pretty good business on another channel kind of flip on Google ads and it just works. Um, so that's, you know, always the the best feeling, right? As an agency owner, when you, mm. you get everything in, you, you fit it, fit it, figure it all out and get everything kind of set up for best practices. And, you know, I prepped the client and told them, Hey, it might be two weeks or, you know, two months before we kind of, you know, maybe after a month, we're going to hit break even. And then after two months, we're going to really start getting to your target. And then we'll kind of, you know, hit the ground running from there. Um, but then you get in, you say, Oh, 
first week where we you know we're profitable we're, we're you know pulling in a bunch of a bunch of great sales um and that you know it really is just a tribute to the brand and the work that people did before they ever got to that point and turned on google ads so um we do see that occasionally too it's like hey you know we went in we turned on your ads and first week you got you know 100 sales and you know hey i'm going to come back to you after one week asking for more budget because we're we're turning it over profitable here let's go i know on facebook if you go out and you start advertising with anything less than 40 or 50 dollars it's a losing campaign uh what about google yeah i would say that's probably a similar a similar point um the from google's documentation what they're going to tell you is 30 to 50 um conversions is what they really need to start optimizing and learning 30 to 50 conversions per month so from that you can kind of back out what's your average order value what's your target roas you know if you're going to get 50 purchases in the first month you know what does that come out to for if it's 50 purchases times your average order value how much in revenue are you making and then you can divide that by your roas to figure out what ad spend you need to put in to get get you that amount um but typically as people are starting out i, I typically say hey you know, let's target, you know, about 1500 for the first month. So that comes out to about $50 a day in ad spend. Um, and then that gets to the big caveat that, hey, if you're starting off at just $50 a day, don't split it over 10 campaigns. Make sure you're starting with that one campaign and get that thing profitable first and then kind of grow from there. But um, yeah, there's a little bit more complicated, uh, you know, math you can do to figure out exactly what's right for your brand. But you know, as a rule of thumb, I, I typically say about fifteen hundred for for the first month. Okay, I, I think I, uh, I miscommunicated that. I'm talking about the average price of the product, not the average uh, okay, daily yeah. campaign. Got you. Yeah, and that's um, that's a, another question. Honestly, it kind of <laughs> the calculation kind of comes out the same way, and that one I think is going to be more industry dependent. Um, because everything you do, you got to remember that you're bidding against other people out there, you know, who are, who are kind of, are kind of bidding against you. Right. So, you know, we, we have brands that maybe have a $25 average order value and they're successful. I would say that's about as low as I would expect, you know, to, to really be successful. Cause at a certain point, you know, you're paying X amount per click, you've got to have a conversion rate on your website. So if you're paying $2 per click. And you're not going to convert every one of those clicks. You know, maybe it's 10% if you're doing awesome. That's still right there. You need 10 clicks at $2 a click. You're looking at $20 in, in ad spend, you know, to get one purchase. So um, I would say from like an average order value, you're probably looking at like 25 or more. A lot of brands like to be really successful when we see $100 average order, $150 average order, you've got a little bit more leeway there, right? You can you can take a few extra clicks to get the purchase ultimately. Right. Um, all that being said, there are occasionally industries and, and different brands where the average order value for everyone is much lower, which means it's there's just not as much competition in the Google ad space. So if somebody's searching for, I don't have a great example off the top of my head, but I'm thinking like a very, very cheap product, any brand that's selling that product is only going to run their ads up to a certain, you know, profitability level or up to a certain cost per click, which means that what those specific searches, it might not be a $2 cost per click. It might be a, you know, 30 cents or a 50 cents cost per click, which changes the entire math around, obviously. So um, yeah, I probably wouldn't try it if it's, if you have an average order value less than 25, honestly, if you have an average order value less than 25, you probably have other issues in your business as well. Like that's probably something 
you know, from any marketing channel, I would expect you really need to be working on pushing that up. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that's probably about as low as I'd go. Okay, very good. So we're at the bottom of the hour. And just before we, we talk about the Wheel of Kelsey, I wanted to touch on something that Andy was talking about just a second ago. We, ta- we actually talked about it on the podcast yesterday, his podcast yesterday, and that was community. Uh, we're building our community. We've got a fantastic community in our Facebook group, Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA collective. But we just recently launched our WhatsApp group and got a bunch of people that signed up over the first week. And the amount of activity blew me away. Uh, I'm watching it and all of a sudden I'm getting all these dings on my phone and it was just constant messages and people that were sharing all sorts of things from listings um, all the way down to different, just different comments. And I thought it was great. Different questions that I've seen that's come in from the WhatsApp group than from the community. So if you're interested in joining, uh, Kelsey just threw up the uh, the, the uh, QR code. Uh, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'm sure we're going to have the information in the show notes there. So uh, check it out or check out the Facebook group. And now let's talk about the bottom of the hour. At the bottom of every hour uh, of every podcast, we talk about um, the uh, uh, the Wheel of Kelsey. And that's a prize we give away at the top of the hour. If you want to join, it's hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Take two people, you get a second entry. And today we've got a really awesome prize. It's on, it's directly, uh, well, it's about what we're talking about today. So Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so today um, we're happy to offer our digital marketing roadmap audit. Um, so essentially what that is, it's a, a, an audit, it's a $1,200 value. We, we run these all the time and that's the typical price point that you'll pay if you're just kind of coming to the website. Um, and what we're going to do is, is kind of get to know your brand um, and take a look at, you know, what your most, you know, your, your biggest marketing challenge is. Typically it's going to be heavily Google ads dependent as that's where, you know, most of our clients come in at and that's kind of our bread and butter. Um, but we'll dig into your ads account. We'll look at some competitors. Um, and ultimately we're going to turn around. Um, you know, a, a plan for you to kind of reach your specific goals. Um, and we, we look at that as like a 90 day roadmap. So it's, you know, month one, month two, month three, what are the steps you need to take to get your Google ads account um, and really your entire digital marketing, um, uh, uh, you know, ecosystem uh, online over those 90 days. Yeah. And this isn't something that Andy and his team gives away for free. This is a $1,200 value. That's what they charge. So if you're interested in this, it's hashtag wheel of Kelsey, tag two people and you'll get a second entry and a second entry to win this awesome prize. So now while you're doing that, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Anytime Kels. Sorry, I got hooked up. <laughs> anytime. I was looking at the WhatsApp group. Uh, we got anytime. some new entry. That's all I'm all saying. Right. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by VAA Philippines. Looking for a high quality virtual assistant for your business? With the rigorous screening, intensive Amazon and Walmart training, and ongoing professional development, get the peace of mind with skill and motivated virtual assistants for a long term working relationship. Hire through VAA today. And now let's get back to the show. Okay. Now let's talk about the KPIs. 
What are a few KPIs people should be looking for when they're set, setting or creating their own ads? Definitely. Um, so the big ones, the, the depending on where your business is at, the two big ones, I've talked about ROAS a ton today. So that's, you know, kind of a, a big thing to, to be aware of. Um, so really that's, you know, how much are you going to get back in revenue? Return on ad spend, but it's a little bit different from ROI in that it does include the initial ad spend. Um, so yeah, I think of that as like a multiple. So if you're going to you know, put up $100 and get back $300 in ad spend, that'd be a 3X ROAS. So you're going to want to have in mind profitably what, what's a target ROAS that I can work from. Um, so a lot of times that's where businesses start, especially when they're focused on, you know, what what how what do I need to to get to profitably make money on that first sale? Um, but over time, that can kind of change where you start to, as Norm mentioned earlier, really get focused on that customer life cycle and start to say, hey, I'm I'm able to break even on that first sale as long as I know that I can nurture this customer and get a bunch more um, out of them later on. And that's where you may shift to a CPA um, uh, a target where it's really, it's all about customer acquisition. And what's cool in Google, they allow you to bid separately for new customers versus existing customers. It's not perfect. Google's algorithm doesn't always, um, you know, identify people, you know, depending on if they have cookies and sessions and different things, sometimes it'll target somebody as a new customer who actually is an existing customer, but um, at least it allows you to kind of push that, that money in that direction. So, that's where we would say, okay, let's look to bid on, you know, a cost per acquisition or a, a, a you know, cost per purchase. Um, and, and even better yet, looking at what's our cost per, um, you know, first person purchase or, or, or first purchase for a given user. Um, so that's another great place. And then one thing, you know, I, I hope by at this point in talking through all of this, um, probably giving the impression that you really need to have a holistic approach. It's not just about Google ads, even though we're really focused on Google ads. It's about the entire ecosystem. Um, and that's where we start to look at some of these metrics up a little bit of a level. So one thing I really like to look at is a cost per acquisition across all your marketing channels. So essentially take all of the first user purchase revenue. So you know, go into Shopify, if you're on Shopify, um, look at just the orders that you got for the first time. This is the first time somebody made an order via that, that email address. What's the total revenue in a given month? And then divide that by your total ad spend, not just on Google ads, but on Facebook and on any other platform. Um, and you can do the same thing with row ads, but typically we think about that in terms of um, that, that first user purchase. Um, and it, what's really, really great about that, that number is that a lot of what we talk about is, is attribution and, hey, did this purchase really come from Google or did it really come from Facebook? Or you know, how do you track that as people you know, interact with multiple channels throughout their life cycle? And this kind of takes all that out of it. Is a hey, we're looking at the top level, all of your marketing dollars and all of your, um, you know, revenue from new people that you brought in. And obviously, that's not always going to be perfect. Um, you know, it's it's kind of kind of move a little bit more slowly, and you're not going to necessarily know. Hey, the new Google ad campaign I ran this week had that exact effect on that big metric. But what's great about that metric is that it's really, really helpful over the long term to kind of tell how you're doing. And as you're going, you can say, hey, this month we're doing a lot better than we did last month. And there's no question about attribution or anything else because that's, you know, ground truth numbers of the dollars in the bank and, you know, the marketing dollars that went out the door. One of the uh, things I, I just want to make sure at least the Amazon sellers are clear on is that uh, when you're using Google ads, if you're using, if you uh, enroll in attribution and if you enroll in the brand referral program, 
Amazon is going to give you an average of a 10% credit back against your account if you're driving any external traffic over to your Amazon listing. So as long as there's a sale, uh, you'll get 10% back. It's off the top um, as a credit against your account. So don't forget to do that if you're interested in Google. Now, the other thing I should mention too, on that giveaway that we were talking about, and this is to you, Andy, uh, what happens, we have a lot of new um, listeners as well as um, intermediate and advanced. We get the full spectrum. But if they're new, is it okay for them to join the uh, the Wheel of Kelsey today? Is there anything that you could help them out with? Absolutely, yeah. And that's the, you know, I, I probably as a, uh, a marketer, I should do a better job, you know, kind of naming and, and making our offer very specific. But that's the the audit that we offer to really anybody at any stage in, you know, your brand journey. Um, and obviously, it's a little bit different for different folks. If you are You've been working for a long period of time. You probably have a number of ad accounts with really mature data in there. We dig in and we'll see, you know, hey, what are some of the tactics that you can change to make things run a little bit better? And that's really where your 90-day plan is going to be. Um, but for newer brands, oftentimes it's, hey, we haven't done anything yet. So let's really focus more on the competitor research side or see what, you know, what type of social following do you have? Where can we leverage different value points? Um, you know, hopefully you already do have Google Analytics running at, at, a, at a minimum. Otherwise, that's probably going to be our first suggestion is, hey, let's let's start figuring out you know what what's happening on your site um, and using that as a data point. Um, but yeah, that's kind of so even if you're kind of early on in your journey, um, yeah, it's, we we love to kind of work with those types of brands too and kind of see, hey, where are the channels that you're most likely to see success based on the specifics of your business and your specific goals of kind of where you're looking to go. All right. Fantastic. I just wanted to make that clear to any listeners that are brand new, that this is of benefit to you as well. Uh, by the way, drip fit, I don't see you here. And I think you're probably being just a nice guy and not putting it in because you win all the time, but definitely this one's for you set out the last wheel of Kelsey. So uh, don't forget you can, you can enter here and we'll see if the wheel really is rigged or if you give Kelsey 20 bucks on the spin. But uh, <laughs> usually I see you in there right away. Okay. Now, last question from me, and then we'll get into some of the uh, audience's question is don't, I don't want to see your eyes roll and I don't want to see you fall off your chair, but can we talk a little bit about AI? Definitely. Yeah. So AI, what a, you know, big, broad topic. Obviously everybody's into AI at this point And like, you know, especially from a marketing perspective, I, I think we're all, nobody's really going to argue you that like AI is going to change the way we work. And when you look at our jobs 10 years from now, or even two years from now, it's going to be entirely different than what it is today because of AI. Um, but as you start to get into it, it's interesting to, to recognize that it's, you know, AI itself is kind of a big buzzword or at least something that encompasses a million different things. There's been some form of AI around forever and, you know, ChatGPT as a as a really powerful tool. I think that's you know kind of these large language models are really what people are talking about when they talk about new AI. Um, but yeah, I always like to kind of point out that in Google Ads, we've been using AI for at least the last four or five years. It's been the the best best way best practice has been to drop in a bunch of assets, to drop in a bunch of um, keywords. And then let Google kind of use some broad targeting and kind of mix and match those, uh, those assets and figure out based on what's happening on your website and purchases that are coming in, 
and, um, you know, what, what's working the best and kind of, you know, spending your dollars in the best possible way, as opposed to you telling it, Hey, I want to bid exactly this for exactly this keyword. It's for a while now been very AI driven that, Hey, this is my budget. This is my target. Now you go out and test a bunch of approaches and, you know, do what's best for me to hit that target within my budget, essentially. Um, so first and foremost, you know, I know a lot of people are probably overwhelmed with AI right now that there's so many different things going on and it changes every day. First and foremost, like you're probably already using it in certain things that you're doing. So like understanding and doubling down on some of the approaches that you're already using is a, a great way to get started. And that goes for a lot of the tools you're using too. If you're using, you know, if you're using Canva for creative, they just rolled out a whole new thing of, of uh, uh, AI, a new AI suite. Um, you know, I know we use uh, a, a tool that, you know, logs into meetings and records the meeting notes. There's a lot of these different tools that have been around for much longer than ChatGPT are now adding on a large language model, you know, type GPT type uh, uh, features and assets. So that's kind of the, the starting point that I, I recommend to anybody is like, you know, hey, if you're already running Google ads, you're already using AI. So figure out different ways that you can leverage it a little bit better inside of Google ads. And then from there, you know, look at some other tools that you're using and just, you know, they're all rolling out these features right now. So if you've always been tracking your task tracking in a particular project management software, chances are it probably has a new AI feature where you can query about which tasks are behind or whatever. Um, or if you're using, you know, your creative, you're creating you know, new images and assets that way. There, I know for a fact, every one of those softwares has new image generation tools that you can use. So start thinking that way. Um, you don't have to completely change everything and learn every new thing as it comes out week by week. Just start leveraging some of these new features that are coming out in the tools that you already use. That's a, a great place to get started. Um, and then from there, I mean, there's the, the sky's the limit as you kind of start playing with these things. It's amazing how many little little things there are to, to, to try and improve your workflow. Yeah, and you could, uh, and I, I've talked about uh, different uh, strategies on the last couple of podcasts. But one other thing you can do is let's say you go into the Facebook library and you see your competitor competitors, or if you go anywhere and you see your competitors, what are they advertising? You download the information, you feed it into uh, analyzer, uh, data analyzer, and see what kind of campaigns you can come up with that are similar, but not exact to your competitors. So whatever is working for them, could work for you, or you could just ask for a similar uh, style. If there's a specific, uh, just excuse me for a sec. There we go. Uh, hopefully I hit mute okay. But uh, if there's a specific style, if there's a specific tone, uh, you can you can get uh, AI, and I'm talking specifically ChatGPT, to copy the style uh, of whoever or, or whatever your competition uh, is providing. So that's just a quick tip. Uh, I did provide a couple uh, from the last two episodes about Scott Cunningham and why I like his style. And you can always check that out. But uh, it's so easy to write really high quality ads um, just by using the leverage of your competition or a style of your favorite copywriter. Definitely. Another, another great example, a very specific example in ChatGPT we do all the time you can have it now use a plugin to go out to a different website and analyze a website and just using some basic prompts to say, hey, 
go analyze my landing page and give me some basic conversion rate improvement options. So, you know, if you're paying the same amount to get the click to your website and it's converting at a much higher rate, all of a sudden your ads are going to look like they're performing that much better. And it's some of it's basic stuff, you know, it's just, hey, there's this question that isn't answered. So make sure you put in a line that that gives kind of that feature or that question answered or, you know, change something about the cart layout or something like that. But I think, you know, to your point, there's a million different little use cases like that. And the best thing you can do, because each one, you're going to try it and some things work, some things don't work, some things are, you know, work well, but need to be tweaked to work for your business. You just got to get started. It doesn't really matter like, oh, you've got to be using this tactic or you've got to be using this thing. Just go in and test it, play around with it, you know, figure out, hey, I want to try to come up with some new ad copy or, hey, I want to try to improve this landing page test it out and you're probably in pretty short order going to get yourself to a prompt that works really well for your style and what you want to figure out. And the only way to get there is by experimenting and trying things out. You can't copy. I mean, you can, as a starting point, copy someone else's, um, you know, someone else's prompts, but you know, as soon as you start using it, you'll say, Oh, you know what, if we tweak this, it'll be even better. Um, and in pretty short order, I think you'll, you'll, you know, be getting really effective with some of this stuff. So, um, it's something everybody should just be playing with and, and, and testing out. Um, Norm, yesterday you and I, we were talking on, on my podcast and, and one of the big things was like investment in different things. ChatGPT should be almost one of those like non-negotiables. It's, it's only $20 a month, like pay for the premium version, right. just get into it, use it. The ChatGPT four is exponentially better than ChatGPT three and a half from what, from what I can tell. Um, so I would really recommend that like, if you're not already paying for a $20 subscription, like that should be the, the first expense that you should be putting out there. Yeah. I, uh, I decided that I was going to write a funnel. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, like anything I do, haha, <laughs> never is, but, uh, then I, I get uh, chat GPT. I wrote the prompt, you know, can you analyze this, uh, funnel? And, uh, it just came back. Whoever wrote this funnel sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. What, what the sometimes you can prompt it and say, you know, in the style of somebody or you know, respond right. to me as if you are the the expert copywriter, or expert marketer, or whatever. I'd be interested to see if if it used the language. This funnel sucks. You know, which who is your specific uh, style that you asked it to respond in? <laughs> yeah, I'm just joking, by the way. Yeah, but uh, I'm not a copywriter. By I like I'm I love creative. I love the aesthetics of things. I can put things together in colors and, but I, uh, when it comes down to copywriting, I always hire. And, uh, that's another thing we just talked about, you know, spending good money, uh, a good copywriter, um, or, uh, a, a style of when you write in that, uh, that prompt, I always use Perry Belcher. So, you know, you, a, a style of Perry Belcher, uh, it'll come back with a specific style and it's unbelievable. Like Kelsey, we were doing a funnel and I looked at uh, what we had up and I said, oh, I just wonder if we put it into chat GPT, this goes back months ago, what it would do. And so I took three different copywriters, asked it to create a funnel for us from top to finish with, uh, with um, email uh, attached, right? So a staggered, triggered email sequence. And I did it for Perry Belcher, um, Mark Degrassi and one other person. And it came back with all these fantastic styles. It was right there. 
And it was just a little bit of tweaking, but it was beautiful. It understood what we wanted because we did write a book to for the prompt. This is exactly the details that we wanted. Yeah. Uh, this is what we have now. Can we improve it? And it came back. And one of the other tips on this is I often find that if you just say, oh, as a copywriter, that's not good enough. Is it a brand writing copywriter? Or are you a brand manager acting as a copywriter? Or uh, one of the other keywords that I like using is specialist. Uh, so you're, you're a copywriter, you're writing um, this type of copy. So this ad copy for Google uh, and you're a specialist. So I find that if you it, just try it out as an example on uh, ChatGPT, and you're going to find out that you're going to have uh, a different type of copy when you write specialist. Definitely. And you can save your, I think you made two great points there. One is focus on really tweaking out that prompt exactly how you want. Save it from time to time that you're using it so that you already have a starting point for the next time I'm reviewing copy. This is where I want to start from. You can tweak it even further at that point. But then two, just expect that whatever comes out of the model, you're going to have to tweak a little bit. So a lot of times I, you know, I, have, uh, I have a brother who's a lawyer. There's all sorts of different privacy issues, why you can't use it for certain things, but he's in contracts. Um, but he, you know, tried it for certain small chunks that didn't have any sensitivity on it. And his first response was, yeah, you know, it's, it's good. This is probably about what, you know, somebody very junior could do for me. So it's not that, that helpful for me. But if, when you think of it in the context though, of like, no, this isn't the final output. That's the same as if you had somebody really junior on your team who now is going to hand it off to you and you can make a few tweaks in 10 minutes rather than writing the whole right. thing from scratch for an hour that's where your efficiencies are going to come in. So, you know, don't, don't get turned off by your first attempt. It didn't come out perfect. Keep tweaking that prompt on the front end. And then also understand that you're still saving a ton of time, even if you have to tweak it a little on the back end as well. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm just kind of curious. Uh, we're going to get into the questions in two seconds, but we've got a ton of listeners right now. And if you're using uh, any form of AI or LLMs uh, for your um, ads. Love to hear what you're doing or if there's something special you're doing to your prompts. So throw it into the comment sections. We'll get to it uh, as soon as we get through the questions. Uh, but I see some really seasoned sellers here and I'm just kind of well uh, wondering uh, what they're doing. All right. So Kels, let's get into some questions. Okay. The first one is from Dripfit. Uh, Dripfit has a couple questions here. Um, so we'll dive into those. Uh, just launched my first product and I'm just starting to think about Google traffic, what would be the first actionable task for me? Awesome. So I assume this is coming from an Amazon perspective. Yeah, it's Amazon. Yeah. And it's, I, I will admit I, I'm less familiar with running Google ads to Amazon. I, I know um, you mentioned that 10% off earlier. I heard about that actually through one of your previous podcasts, you'd mentioned that with a guest. That's um, really cool, uh, really an interesting piece. So um, coming at it kind of as an outsider who's never run Google ads to Amazon, my first question, similar to the website really, is gonna be making sure that you have some understanding of how that's performing. So as you're running your, your, your Google traffic, you're gonna to have to understand, did it result in a purchase or did it not? And my, my guess would be, I know Amazon's a little bit guarded on its data. My guess would be that you're gonna have some of that information, but not all of it. But before you ever start thinking about running your traffic, make sure you understand, you know, whatever information you can get out of Amazon as in terms of, you know, where the, what Google traffic came into Amazon, 
ultimately did it yield a purchase or not figure out what's going to be available to you and then figure out what your you know your kind of decision points going to be there whether it's a kpi or hey you know if i run traffic for three weeks and i didn't get any purchases then that's going to be where i cut it off or you know i don't i don't know to what extent it gives you you know true roas data or or you know cpa data um, but yeah, figure out whatever information you're going to have available to you and then kind of think through how you're going to make your decision points. Don't just let it run. And then, you know, cause you, it's very easy once something's been running for a certain period of time to convince yourself like, ah, oh, you know, it's hasn't gotten any purchases, but I bet I'm getting a little bit more awareness out there than I would have otherwise or something like that. So make sure you kind of know going in and you can change it as you go, but at least have a starting point of this is the data point I'm going to be looking at. And this is how I'm going to make my decision. Okay. Very good. Kels. Okay. Uh, next one is from coolhand99. If I already have PixelMe doing Google ads, would this be a beneficial price to enter for all other digital ad auditing? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot of different things to be had. And there's a lot of these tools that will run you know, Google ads or, or any, any ad platform for you. Um, I played with a few of them. Honestly, I, I think you know you you lose a little bit of control, but you get a little bit of you know ease of use um, is kind of the 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 trade off with a lot of these. So um, yeah, absolutely, I think it would be very beneficial. Um, I'm not particularly familiar with Pixelme specifically, so I, I'd love to uh, take a look at at what results you are getting, or at least what results Pixelme is claiming, um, and then also all of your other channels as well. Start to see you know, how some of these channels fit together and, and see, you know, is that working just perfectly for you? Should be looking at a different platform there or should be layering on, you know, meta ads, Facebook ads, um, you know, email marketing approaches, uh, different things like that. All right. Uh, what is enough of a budget to uh, start getting going? So we touched on this a little bit typically just to have enough data flowing back in to be able to make decisions and also having data flowing back into the model. Um, that the high level answer I give people is typically focus on like 1500 a month, um, which comes out to about $50 a day in ad spend. Okay, and our last question, uh, since I just started, should I wait till I can throw a higher spend at it? It's a great question. The, the short answer is, um, you know, how is it going? Right. So um, the, the kind of way that I always tell people to think about this is don't think just in terms of like throwing money at the at the ads, focus in on getting the ad first to profitability. So whatever your target is, target ROAS, target CPA. First, we're going to start at a low ad spend and get it profitable. Hit your target first. And then from there, we'll think about, OK, throwing some additional money in and scaling up at that same target. Um, so a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, eventually I'd like to get to the point that I'm spending 10,000 a month in ad spend. Um, so they just start out that way. But typically I think your best bet is to start smaller, get to whatever your target is, you know, say, Hey, let's, let's run for a month or two at this lower ad spend, because at a lower ad spend is typically going to be the easiest path to profitability. Um, the more money you put into it, typically there's kind of a, a, a law of diminishing returns. So the more money you spend, typically you're going to get a little bit lower ROAS or a little bit higher cost per acquisition. Um, so find your profitability at that lower spend and then see how far you can push the spend from there, um, you know, be, to, to see, you know, before that that target starts to fall off. Um, so to answer your question, I would say, hey, make you know, how are your ads doing now? If you're, if you're hitting your target and you're profitable, go for it. Put some more money against it. 
Um, if you're not, then let's start looking at some tweaks and changes you can make to find that profitability before you throw additional spend on it. We got another question, Kels. Yep, from Bearded Mimic. Uh, mine is a seasonal product. When should I start running ads in the off season to get the most benefit from it? It's a great question. Um, the best answer over a long period of time is looking at your historic data for your specific product because it's going to be different. A lot of times, people make assumptions and say, "Hey, you know, I sell a Christmas theme product. You know, this is never going to sell in July, so why am I pay paying ads?" And then all of a sudden you test out the ads and realize like, oh, well, you're the only vendor who's selling that product in this off season. So it becomes wildly profitable. It's you know, different things like that. Um, what's cool with Google ads too, they allow you to set a budget, but then to put a target on top of that. So you'll say, hey, you know, I've got up to 5,000 a month in ad spend, but I wanna do that at a 3X ROAS. So if in this given month, there's not enough traffic and Google doesn't think it can profitably or can't get me a 3X ROAS, and spend $5,000 doing it, it may spend $2,500 to hit that target. Um, so that's, you know, what I typically like to do is fire it up right in the in the heart of your season, you know, right at the beginning of your season probably and run through your, your seasonal period, get to kind of the max budget where you can profitably spend your budget. And then probably after that, I wouldn't turn it off completely. I would probably pull back, spend a little bit manually, but then also make sure you have that target in place. And what you should see is that, Google will automatically pull back its spend a little bit to make sure you're hitting that target. And you can let that really run year round so that you are, you know, you're not going to get as many purchases, obviously, in the off season, but you probably will get a few. So you want to be making sure that you're still showing up for the for the odd customer who is, you know, out there searching for you in the off season. So here's the benefit with uh with Chuck's product is that it's a it's a summer product but you can start advertising in spring. People are buying the product in spring. And then you're into fourth quarter, and this is definitely a giftable product. Then after that, you've got Father's Day coming its way. And I guarantee you, this is where you should just cash in. And there is also a specific week or even month dedicated to this product or this season uh, or or this niche. So Chuck, you've got a, a winner when it comes to uh, being able to uh, advertise on Google. Plus, just like Andy was saying, you know, put your bids back, but don't like shut them off. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to find, um, you'll be very surprised at the type of sales that you'll be getting, but you've almost got it. You've almost got the year covered uh, as a, a potential for your season. Definitely. And then after you've run it for a year or two, then you'll start to really know, okay, well, yeah, typically I always have a big spike at Father's Day, you know, ramps up over the summer, then really drops off in October. Now you can start to kind of manage your budgets that way and, and kind of know, you know, when, you know, forecast each individual month and figure out what your spend and target should be. Um, but yeah, I would definitely just get started at a low budget and, and see and let it kind of ebb and flow and learn from it. Right. Okay. I think that's it. Uh, Chuck, yeah, Father's yep. Day is bigger than Christmas. There we go. Okay, so I think that's it. I'm going to read a live read, and then we'll come back with the Wheel of Cal Oh, before I get to the live read, Andy, how do people get a hold of you or your company? Definitely. Um, so I'm always, I try to be as uh, uh, 
active as possible on LinkedIn. So go ahead and follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you can just search for Andy Janitis, or I'm sure my uh, my note will be in the um, show notes. Um, or you can come check out the business at ppcpitbulls.com. Um, you'll find a little bit of data. We're actually about to launch a new website in the coming months, so that'll probably change if you look today versus in a few weeks. Um, but you'll find a little bit of information about the services we offer, that audit that I was just telling you about. You can sign up for our newsletter. Um, and additionally, we also run our own podcast and YouTube series. So um, if you like this kind of conversation, check us out and follow there as well. So uh, one thing you did prove is that I did butcher, absolutely butcher your name. <laughs> you know what? Maybe that was when the uh, the uh, uh, internet dropped out. I, I don't remember. Uh, I that, butchered so. it, <laughs> but I do that to everybody. I do that to everybody. Well, so. I never knew. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you pass. <laughs> All right. Very good. All right. So let's get to a live read about seller basics. Give me a sec here. Hey, Amazon sellers ever faced account suspensions, ACE and hiccups, or IP headaches? Introducing Seller Basics, your Amazon accounts guardian. With just $99 per month, Seller Basics offers a dedicated team to shield your business from these challenges. Plus, this membership offers free legal consultations from a seasoned e-commerce attorneys. No long-term contracts. Cancel with just the, uh, one month's notice. And you can view Seller Basics as your Amazon Accounts Health Plan. Check it out at sellerbasics.com. But I got to say this disclaimer. Seller Basics isn't an insurer or law firm. Consultations come from independent firms. Results may vary and membership needed before events leading to claims. Oh, by the way, terms apply. Okay, now let's get over to the wheel. It's time for the Wheel of Elsie. It's coming. There, we, there go. we go. All right. I just want to see if Drip wins. Yeah, let's see. So we're going to shuffle these up. As Do a double shuffle. I... Yeah, really shuffling it. All right. So if you are the winner, please email me, Kate. All right, Drip. We might as well with... always say, already say you won. It's close, but it's nope. Angela today. All right. I gotta tell you, I've been following on the podcast. If you're only listening to the audio, you, you gotta log in to watch the wheel spin. This is uh, this is some high production value. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, okay, that's it. You're off the hook. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. No, it's great having you on, especially when they're back-to-back -back podcasts. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. Want more great information? Don't forget to subscribe by clicking here. Also. If you want to check out our latest podcast, click over here. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur.